0: I'm Natalie Walton, and this is Imprint, a podcast about creating a home and life you love. Each week, I'm here to share with you some of the biggest lessons I've learned during my career and life. Some of them I wish I'd learned a lot sooner because they would have saved me a huge amount of time, stress, and even money. Many of these ideas could have accelerated my journey as a creative and business owner. I also feature interviews with inspiring creatives, entrepreneurs, and experts, to help you focus on what's most important in your life. Today, I'm going to do something a little bit different and interview my husband, Daniel Ralston, who has a wealth of knowledge and experience in both business and marketing. And we're going to talk about one of the questions that I get asked most often. It is, how do I do all the things that I do? And the answer you will soon find out. But first I want to let you know about a free ebook that I've created. It's for anyone who wants to learn how to create a home you love and visual stories that connect and create impact. Seven days, your guide to styling success is available for free to anyone who visits my website, NatalieWalton.com. Just fill out the sign-up form and you'll get it delivered direct to your inbox. Styling changed my life and it can do the same for you. So if you'd like to create a career doing what you love or enhance the experience of your home or both go to my website where you can download this free ebook. I can't wait to share it with you. And please hashtag the styling masterclass with what you create. Hello everyone. Today, I thought I would do something a little bit different. As many of you will know, I run a business, Imprint House, and I run it with my husband, Daniel Ralston. And I get asked a lot, how do I do all the things that I do? Well, the simple answer to that is that I have Daniel as my husband and we really work as a team together. So we work, as a team, as parents. We're very much co-parents with our children. And um, Daniel, at the moment, we go through phases. And at the moment, Daniel is very much responsible for, he often does like drops the kids off at the school bus, picks them up. Uh, He makes most of our meals at the moment and does school lunch boxes. I probably look after the house a little bit more and laundry and things like that. But we very much are co-parents, we very much share the responsibilities within our own home. And with all the business aspects of the different things that I do, whether it's running my shop in Print House, or if it's running my courses, Daniel looks after all the administration side of things, all of the financial side of things, and that's the same that goes with our house and our property and our finances too. So that is a huge reason why I'm able to do all the things that I do because I'm not doing absolutely everything at home plus trying to run a business as well. And I'm not doing everything in my business. I'm doing kind of the fun stuff, or at least I think of it as the fun stuff, Um you know, the creative side of things, very much looking after the creative direction, but he deals with suppliers and the bookkeepers and all of that side. Another big thing that, or big reason why I wanted to interview Daniel and get you to meet him is because I learned so much from him and I really bounce off a lot of ideas in relation to my own businesses and he has a wealth of business experience. So he studied business, he has worked in different industries, and he's also uh, created a business. He did that with my stepfather and they sold it and it was um, a sort of ended up being a successful venture. So that is also part of the reason why we're able to do what we do. So I'm not going to introduce him anymore. I thought that I would run a few questions past him that I ask all of my guests and you can kind of meet him and learn a little bit more about him. So, Daniel, first of all, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank thank you so much for, for joining us today. Can you just tell us a little bit about... Your childhood and and how like where you grew up and a little bit of your story before you even got to deciding what type of career um, you would have because I always think that the sort of childhood we have really informs the person that we become and our life journeys, as it were.
1: Hmm. Good question. I grew up uh, in the country, so until I was uh, twelve, I lived in um, two different. Properties in Country Victoria, um, up near Mount Buller, uh, where the ski fields are, and uh, I was really quite lucky in that um, I was able to just fossick around and play outside and invent my own games uh, as as much as possible. Uh, I didn't uh, have a TV when I grew up. I think we first got our TV when I was about ten, um, and even then it was black and white. We lived. On a farm, it was 130 acres, uh, which is our second property. That was near the Strathbogie Ranges. And we were just riding bikes, making cubbies, building things, uh, whatever it was. It was something outdoors, energetic, being creative. Uh, and and my parents, really, when I look at, at now being a parent, uh, were pretty relaxed about it. I mean, their, their general attitude was they'll come home when they're hungry, um, which... I don't know if I'm that comfortable as a parent having that attitude. Well, I'm maybe a bit more hands-on than that, but we try and engender the same thing with our kids.
0: And that's something else I wanted to just touch on for this podcast episode is that a lot of the the lessons that I've learned about health and well-being are also things that I get from Daniel. I think that we we seek out in our partners the parts of us that perhaps are, you know, lacking or that we would like to be more like and um daniel is certainly the very patient one in our family (laughs) and he's also he's very um disciplined with certain things but we'll get onto that a little bit later so daniel you had this childhood growing up in the country then when you hit your kind of teenage teenage years what did you want to be when you grew up like what path did you envisage for yourself in those kind of teenage years did you want to go into business, or was it? Um, did you think of something else? Did you have any sense of what you wanted to be, or what you know? What helped you decide what type of course you would do at university?
1: Hmm. Good question. <laughs> <laughs> who, who really knows what they want to do when they're a teenager?
0: <laughs> well, that's very true. I, I
1: I tried all sorts of things. Um, I remember doing work experience. Uh, as a vet um, that was very hands-on and the work experience uh, saw me go out with a country vet to help um, help the vet remove a a deceased calf from a live cow oh my gosh (laughs) so needless to say I didn't really pursue that career Um, I looked at pharmacy did some work experience in a in a hospital pharmacy that wasn't really for me. Um, I guess I kind of had an inkling that I wanted to do some kind of business, but I wasn't really sure what kind of business. Um, And I I did see, I I saw a documentary. We had, um, one of my early jobs was doing sales for pay TV uh, in Tasmania. And as part of that, we had the package. So we had BBC World News. Uh, And I do remember seeing a documentary about people who worked in the finance industry and how they got to being fifty, and that's all they knew was was finance. So if they then wanted to change career, it was then quite different and so difficult rather. Uh, and so I thought to myself, well, I want to do something in business, but I also want to be able to have the flexibility to have a skill set that's flexible across multiple industries. Uh, and so from there, I guess I then my studies then led me into study business, and I started to. Have a few ventures when I was at university, uh, and um, and have roles mainly in the in the sales sort of side of the business, uh, which led me to see basically a lot of it is just having a shingle out the front because if you've got a vision and you've got a product and you're passionate about something, people are drawn to that. And I think once I saw that, that was a real turning point because I saw that when we lived in England for nearly two years, and that then became a real turning point and i thought well so that was a turning point for me and i realized when we got back to australia that i really had to start something and really it was about jumping in and taking my experience and then just learning what you need to know along the way that was that's probably one of the biggest biggest lessons
0: when you sort of look back did you have any mentors in those kind of early years of business or some of those businesses? I mean, I'm thinking of maybe Carl or some of the other people that you might have come along the way, even when you were working in England, um, there were, I know there were a few kind of key figures. And, and if so, what kind of lessons did you learn from those people?
1: Yeah, I've, I've worked in organisations that are both organised and disorganised. And I've, I've had people who are running businesses who were workaholics and I could see very clearly people I didn't want to be like. And then there are a few people and and Carl is is one of them, um, who was he's about 10 years older than me and he was one of my direct managers. And uh he just he just brought a real energy into the role and um and sort of took away the fear that I had of management as well. Um, and I guess by that he he sort of made me realize that we're on the same side and he was just there to you know to clear obstructions out of my way to help me do my job better and um, and so that was that was a, a good mentoring Carl um, in England, I worked in the insurance industry, and uh, we had an interesting situation in that six months after I joined the company, uh, it went bust and uh, my little team was quite profitable, so I was in a team of about eight people, and uh, I was then in an office where somebody who was charged with selling the business as a going concern then sat across from me and did his negotiations over the phone. And to me, it was an incredibly eye-opening experience because that stuff was always really inaccessible. And then here it was, and it was just a guy and he just had a phone and he was, he was selling a business. And I thought, well, that's, that's really exciting and that's, that's pretty easy. So I learned a lot from that. And then coming back to Australia and working with my father-in-law, he was also a great mentor in that he had had to overcome obstacles in his life. He had dyslexia, um, and he was just so determined, just so doggedly determined. And he's probably more determined than anybody I've ever met. And he was, you know, very successful in his life, um, still is. And uh, I guess from him, I learned about the dogged determination and uh, and how to engage people. And we both have very different styles, but he was really in the vein of uh, finding what people are interested in and what they want to do, and then just letting them go for it and clearing away the blockages so that they could really go for it and excel in their own role that they're trained for.
0: There are certain things that when we have conversations about business and there are a few things that always stick in my mind when we talk about ways to approach things. And one of them that you talk about a lot is that you've just got to keep trying, trying different things. Do you want to share a little bit more about that? Like what are your thoughts on why that's important?
1: Yeah, sure. One of my early mentors uh, had just a very simple Motto, and that was that activity breeds success. So whatever you do, you have to have some kind of activity, and you just keep plugging away and have faith, because you may the success may come from where you anticipate, or it may come from somewhere different. But just by having the activity, then you'll be successful. And uh, it, it's it's also important to have a business plan, and be flexible in that too. So if an opportunity comes along, then you need to be able to assess whether it fits in with the plan and and take advantage of it if you can.
0: So would you be able to share some of the other big lessons that you've learnt through the course of your career? As I mentioned, you have worked in in different industries and I think that there are probably some some common themes that come up from time to time. Could you share some of those?
1: Yeah, sure. I well, the, the biggest one, I think uh, is that people are everything. the energy that they bring is just so, so important. and I don't just mean that they're energetic, although that's important it's it's their own personal energy that they bring and having that cohesiveness between the energy of the different people in the group and and it's probably the most important thing that you can have. Another thing is and I've I mentioned this before, is just letting people do what they're good at. And as, uh, as a manager, um, just getting out of the way. So just say, saying to people, this is, this is, these are the boundaries, this is what we need done, these are the resources to do it, and just letting people get on with it, and then just checking in with them with a view to making sure they still have the resources to do their job and that they don't have any barriers. And that's all I focus on in terms of managing people.
0: Great. And I wanted to talk to you also about a little bit about, I guess, health and well-being, because I learned so much from you and you're very passionate about living a a good life in terms of You know your overall well-being. You're very good at self-care, probably better than than I am. I tend to, I have a tendency to burn the midnight oil, whereas um, you're very good at setting boundaries around that. Can you share a little bit about why that's important to you and what you notice, what you do on a daily basis in terms of uh, looking after yourself and and why that's important and what you notice when if you perhaps veer off track or what helps you come back to it?
1: Yeah, on a, on a daily basis. So, sleep is the most important thing. So, I like to um, go to bed with maybe a little bit of extra time up my sleeve than the eight hours because we have four young children. And in the event that somebody wakes up or has some kind of problem sleeping, then uh, even if I have to get up in the middle of the night, I'm still fine the next day. So I, I like to have that buffer in my in my sleep. Um, in the morning, I wake up around six, uh, put the breakfast on, which is porridge and a mixture of seeds. We have um, probably
0: go and share share all, all the different seeds that we have in our breakfast. It is it is a long running joke in our family that like our breakfasts are they're a huge thing to be seen they're amazing go please tell everybody all the different things (laughs) we have in our breakfast
1: okay so we start with with oats which are organic unstabilized oats if we can because uh stabilized oats have been treated in a way that extends shelf life but also depletes nutrients out of them so i get the porridge cooking have a cup of tea to help wake up uh and do some yoga for about 20 minutes. So that um, then keeps my body strong and keeps me focused. Uh, If I'm lucky and the children haven't woken up yet then I might meditate for 20 minutes as well. Uh, So into the porridge then we then put in some chia seeds which are really high in protein and uh, omega-3s and um, we then serve that with Fresh blueberries or frozen blueberries, which are a, a superfood, really good for heart health. So I'm really big on eating uh, eating the rainbow, they say. So foods of all different colors and and types. Uh, so and we
0: we should add that those blueberries you get. For, so Daniel loves going to the markets, and we're very lucky that we have some great farmers markets here. So they're from a local producer in this region, and um, Daniel knows all the market holders by name. And uh, but so, yeah, so they're not just like a supermarket one, but they're as much as possible we um, try and eat all of our fruit and veggies from local producers and organic or at least spray-free.
1: Yeah, trying to keep down the the food miles on everything. Uh, So on top of the porridge we then have um, LSA, which is uh, really good for managing heart health. we have pumpkin seeds, we have hemp seeds and we have pecan nuts because they're sweet and they come from a local grower. Uh, and then... Uh, what are the
0: hemp seeds good for? Do you remember?
1: Uh, I think it's omega-3 and omega-6 and they may say something about an omega-9. I'm, I'm not sure if that's true though, um, but they're incredibly healthy as well. Uh, and then we have that, um, so Natalie and I have uh, an almond milk, an unsweetened almond milk, um, because we, um, we don't eat a, a lot of meat, but it's fortified with B-group vitamins and iron. So it makes sure that we get those nutrients as well, which are the B-group vitamins and the iron are quite difficult to get if you don't eat a lot of meat. Um, and so the children then have uh, muesli. So one of our sons likes to make, make his own muesli or if he's feeling energetic, he'll toast some granola. Uh, and they then have that with some fresh fruits and bananas or we kind of alternate on the fresh fruit. So usually always got bananas and then we might have pawpaw or red papaya uh, and then custard apple. And then being winter, I've been making a compote of stewed apple. <laughs> Uh, into which I throw some rhubarb, uh, some cardamom, and some allspice, uh, and a little bit of orange zest as well. So which that, is controversial. The orange orange <laughs> zest is controversial, yes,
0: because the children sometimes think it is too strong or too bitter. But um, and what about? Let's talk about. Um, so obviously that's breakfast, and, <laughs> and 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 Daniel is you know he's a king cook, and so he he pretty much makes our lunch and our dinner as well. So I'm very lucky when Daniel's home, he will make baked beans from scratch or these spinach fry-ups and he's very big on making sure we have the right nutrients. I do have a tendency, if I was home by myself, I'd probably just have toast with um, avocado or cheese and Vegemite, something like that. But Daniel makes these amazing meals. But can, we can't not include a little discussion about gut health because this is another kind of uh <laughs> a, a kind of um inside joke I guess in our family is that Daniel is very passionate about gut health so can you share a little bit about what you've learned about that and why it's so important
1: yeah I guess it, gut health comes down to um I guess it was a couple of years ago now when I was when my dad was living with us um that I was reading a lot of books about self-care and I guess, you know, transitioning into a role of, of being the, um, the one who is responsible for the food and, and caring for the children. And so I did a lot of reading about that. And uh, one of the things that I read, it was a book called Blue Zones, and, uh, and it's about a study done by uh, a guy called Dan Buettner. Uh, from National Geographic and he studied the people who live to be the longest uh, all around the world and there's probably five or six different regions where people live to be over 100 or, or close to 100 and he looked at the common trends with these people and I was really, really interested in this because as the person responsible for the food in our household I really wanted to be certain when a new fad came along, or if somebody said, oh, you've got to try this diet, or you've got to try this food, or, or whatnot, that I wanted to see, well, the people who live to 100, what do they do? And it's, it's pretty simple. It's, it's just foods that are as fresh as possible, uh, grown with as few pesticides and inputs as possible, uh, and um, not a lot of meat. Um, not necessarily vegetarian, but not a lot of meat. Uh, and so, that was that was one book that I read during this time. The other one was about gut health and the importance of just keeping your gut full of uh, simple foods, um, simple raw foods, which keep the garden of bacteria in the gut healthy, which then uh, keeps your body healthy. So, in a lot of cases, the reason we have cravings for things like sugar and fat and other things like that is actually because the bacteria that devour that stuff that lives in our gut uh, is uh, in greater quantities than the bacteria that devour fresh spinach or apples or or things like that. And so uh, what researchers have found is that these fat-loving and sugar-loving bacteria send a message to your gut, which has its own nerves. They talk about the, the gut brain and the, the number of nerves in and around the gut is the size of a cat's brain. And they, these bad bacteria send a message to that, which then gives you a craving that says, I need to eat something fatty or I need to eat something with sugar. And so I'm obsessed with the gut health and keeping it healthy and keeping the right kind of uh, bacteria there because that then means that I want to then eat the right types of food.
0: And uh, Daniel, has, um, he's been making his own kimchi and sauerkraut and uh, our our children, they're actually not, they don't mind it, do they? They, we eat that quite a lot with different meals and certainly our four-year-old, one of his first words was kimchi. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's, yeah, Daniel is very good at keeping us all very healthy and um and certainly I notice a big difference in my sort of general health and well-being. I don't get those sort of three o'clock slumps when we eat the right foods. It's it's so important. So before you go, Daniel, I just wanted to ask you a few questions that I ask at the end of every interview. And these are the questions that I used to ask people on daily imprint. So it's just whatever comes straight to your mind. Don't overthink it. Don't worry about it. Just whatever comes to mind. So the first one is, which five words best describe you? And I know that's probably the hardest one to start off with, but just whatever comes to mind.
1: Thoughtful, motivated, curious, empathic, patient.
0: Well done. You passed the test. (laughs) (laughs) What's the best life or career lesson you've learnt?
1: Never give up.
0: What's your proudest career achievement? Actually
1: doing something that I'm passionate about and I really enjoy. And I, when I started my career, I, I thought I'd be happy doing any kind of business. But one that I'm excited about and that I'm passionate about is just so much better than one that I may not have a lot of passion for.
0: What's been your best decision?
1: Realising that life exists beyond a big city. So we lived in Sydney for, I was there for 18 years. Uh, You were there for a lot longer than that. And a big city seems to, to, I think it seems to get its claws into you. And you just, for some reason, feel like you can't leave. And your whole life is consumed with, Going across town, or doing this within the city, or doing that within the city, and uh, and I just love living out of the city in the country. And we live near a small country town. You can get a park on the main street. Uh, it, people are unhurried. It it's just it's just fantastic.
0: Who inspires you?
1: I don't have an answer for that.
0: You'd say me. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well you know we do feed off each other's energy so that's that's certainly true uh and um i mean there's there's lots of people i find interesting and inspiring so you know writers i'm listening to an audiobook by seth godin uh when i'm driving to pick up the kids um i look back at my history my grandfather when he came from finland was very inspiring in that they, he moved with his wife and then five children. And I guess it's not just my grandfather cause my grandmother did an awful lot too, but uh, he didn't speak English and they had arrived as migrants in Brisbane. And uh, he had heard about Tasmania and he rode a motorbike, 2000 kilometers on a country road to Melbourne. And then caught the ferry across from Melbourne to Tasmania to investigate it and he just camped by the side of the road during this time and then liking what he saw then rode the motorbike back caught the ferry then rode the motorbike back two kilometers back to Brisbane to collect his family to settle in Tasmania and I think that's a that's an amazing story of tenacity and and sisu which is uh, a Finnish word which means having extraordinary, literally having guts, just having intestinal, just fortitude and just never giving up.
0: What are you passionate about?
1: Living healthy and my family and surfing.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Not necessarily in that order, (laughs) or maybe. Um, Which person, living or dead, would you most like to meet?
1: Everyone pauses on this one, don't they? (laughs) (laughs) I'd really like to meet my grandfather, Jack. So he came as a 20-something from Ireland and settled in Australia and uh, was a very, um, very smart person. Uh, And uh, obviously that would have taken a lot of of courage and uh, I'd like to talk to him about uh, his journey and his history as well.
0: What dream do you still want to fulfill? To be able to have
1: a full weekend of just having fun with the family, but responsibilities seem to get in the way.
0: What are you reading?
1: I'm reading Bimbi* by Melissa Lukashenko. It's one that you bought, Natalie. I felt that I really wanted to learn more about how we treat Aboriginal people in Australia and how we view them. And perhaps change those views as well. So the first book I read recently was called Dark Emu. And, uh, and as I said, this is the second one. And, and it's just fascinating and I can feel my, my worldview changing, which is really an exciting thing.
0: What are you currently listening to?
1: I'm listening to an audio book called Tribe by Seth Godin. I like the way he speaks and the way he presents his arguments and um, there's like a lot of these things there's points that he makes and you think oh of course but literally having somebody else say them and tie these threads of thought together is just um, just really interesting and inspiring.
0: And finally what piece of advice would you give to your younger self?
1: that it's okay to go on my own creative journey i don't have to go to every single event on the social calendar and i don't have to be the last one at the party and um
0: great it's certainly i think it's that whole thing isn't it of being true to yourself and what you value and what's most important in your life and i think that's something that i kind of feel more and more as well with within my own life right thank you so much daniel i know that you're not used to being on the receiving end of interviews and uh certainly we've never done anything like this before so you are a good sport for indulging me but i hope that other people find it interesting to get a little bit more of an insight into how I manage to do all the things that I do is because of Daniel. And um, as I mentioned, he is such a great font of uh, knowledge. And um, we, yeah, it's so good to have somebody like that in your life. So I'm really grateful for all that he does for both me and our family. I hope that you've enjoyed this interview. Please let me know, and I'll touch base with you soon. All right, everyone. I hope you've enjoyed this interview. I know it's been a little bit different and the first man on the podcast, but let me know what you think. You can send me a DM on Instagram at Natalie Walton or email podcast at nataliewalton.com. You'll find show notes for this episode at nataliewalton.com forward slash podcast forward slash seventeen. And please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. It really does make a huge difference to spreading the word. Thank you to Jaeger Media for producing this podcast and the people of the Bungalong Nation where it was recorded. Thanks again for joining me today. I look forward to connecting again soon. I'm Natalie Walton, and you've been listening to Imprint.